It's the Think and Reform podcast with John, Joel, Jim, and yours truly, Luke. This week, everyone's here, and we are excited to talk about topics that range from sports to theology to woke Christianity and everything in between. Thanks, everybody, for listening to the Think and Reform podcast. Please go to whichever platform you listen to us on and give us five stars or follow us and leave a review. Give us a like and share. Why don't you? Thanks, everybody, for that. Dad, what do you got for us this month? Yeah, well, good morning. Uh, it is morning here where I am, and I want to talk I, 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 I want to talk about what I don't want to talk about first, and that's that Derek Show trial. Um, it's called the Derek Chauvin trial. Let's call it what it is, the Derek Show trial. What was really on trial was not a police officer and, and a uh, man who had three times the amount of deadly drugs in his system who had already said he couldn't breathe when he was in the police car. Uh, none of that. That's not what was on trial. What was on trial was America. This horrifically racist nation was on trial. And as Barack Obama said later on, you know, we, we, we need more. You know, we, we, need, we need more demonstrations and, and so forth. And I am just kind of uh, interested in that. The dude was uh, elected president, I think. Uh, a black man elected president twice, if you can believe the uh, ballot returns anyway. And it's a racist nation. How in the world does a racist nation elect a black man twice? Uh, we've simply lost our minds. Okay, enough of that. I'm talking about what I don't want to talk about. I want to talk about something else. I want to talk about shepherds voluntarily scattering sheep here. Now, I have talked before about John 10.10. I know I've talked about it in in sermons and so forth. But John 10.10, Christ talks about a hireling, and he talks about the sheep being scattered. And this is very interesting to me because I used to wonder about that. Why would Christ say that the wolf comes and scatters the sheep? Why doesn't he say the wolf comes and devours the sheep, chews them up, whatever, carries them off, whatever? says it scatters the sheep. And, you know, I've thought about this. And it's ob- what it, I think the answer is obvious, and the answer is that once the flock is scattered, they are effectively destroyed. In other words, a sheep on its own will be quickly destroyed. And what's happened here is, is that those who hate Christ have constantly attempted to scatter the sheep. And what's happened now, excuse me, what's happened now is the pastors have actually stepped in on behalf of the state and voluntarily scattered the sheep. Think about it. We don't meet anymore. We um, meet by Zoom or we don't meet at all. And I, I know of some churches that haven't even opened up yet at all. What's happened is, and I, I, who, I never thought I'd live to see it, is that the shepherds themselves have voluntarily scattered the sheep. And in voluntarily scattering the sheep, you are destroying the sheep. Think about it again. The place where the sheep has comfort, has protection, is with the flock under the care of a shepherd because a shepherd will beat off the wolves they're supposed to. What's happened now is, I'm afraid, is that the shepherds themselves have donated the sheep to the state and stood by while the sheep are scattered. And so what's been happening, I think, in John John 10, 10 has, or or all of John 10, actually, it's actually John 10, 10 and following, has actually exposed the false shepherds who have voluntarily scattered the sheep. 
we see in other countries where pastors are thrown in jail, um, the old Soviet Union, China today, certainly North Korea. Now today, it's um, the pastors are getting quite along, uh, getting along quite well with the status, and the sheep are scattered voluntarily. It is an awful thing that's happening right under our noses, and that's what's going on. And that's what I've got this week, Luke. I I often think about that that thing you told me. I never forget, and now I tell now I tell it to everybody else. Um, that that line it, it, you said it perfectly because I'd been trying to formulate with words that idea that I'd been thinking in the back of my mind, but I couldn't bring it into, <clears throat> excuse me, at the risk of sounding like a gospel preacher, I couldn't bring it, a, a, a prosperity gospel preacher, I couldn't, I couldn't speak it into existence, but now I have. Um, but you said that line, Christianity is not sexy, right? And uh, <clears throat> today, as I was scrolling through my Facebook feed, I watched a preview for uh, a trailer for um, Black Widow, the new Marvel movie, right? And of course, the whole thing is sexy, right? It's, uh, and, and when I mean that, I'm not mean, I don't mean sexual. I mean it's pleasing to the eye. It's pleasing to all the senses. It sounds good. It looks good. It, it's very appealing to all the senses. Um, and so after it was done, I scrolled down a little bit more. The next video on my feed, right, <laughs> right after it, in, in horrible contrast, was a friend of mine street preaching outside of a strip club. Nothing sexy about that at all. It was annoying. It was loud. It wasn't cool. It wasn't fun. You know, uh, and, and, and you went from, you know, you went from 100 to zero really fast. Um, and, you know, the, the James Coates thing, right? Everyone likes to think about when I stand up for Christianity, it's Mel Gibson with the American flag running through the British ranks saying, rally, rally. And everyone's going, yeah. You know, everyone's looking at me going, oh, you're so amazing standing up for the faith. You're a genius. You know, it's, it's, it's amazing. And, and everyone's going to be like so inspired by me standing up. But standing up for Christianity right now in this nation, it's not cool. It's not sexy. It looks like James Coates being condemned by pastors in in Canada. The same people you say, they're scattering the sheep. Scattering the sheep right now is sexy. That's the sexy thing to do. Zoom meetings, that's what's appealing. When you stand up for your faith, it's not cool. And the people who are scattering the sheep... They're the ones who are trying to be sexy with their Christianity, and Christianity is not sexy at all. Luke, a lot of pastors have, have I believe, come to the conclusion they can please please God and mammon. Yes. Yeah. And, and one of the um, pastors that attacked James Coates said, hey, he said, our, our online offerings are up. Aha! <laughs> I think I think I've hit pay dirt here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and, and, and he said, you know, it called James Coates arrogant for keeping his his uh, church open, right? Yeah. To arrogant for what? For countermanding the demands of the Secretary of Health. Secretary of Health isn't arrogant for shutting down an entire nation. Right. That's not arrogant. Right. James Coates is arrogant for keeping his church open. These are hirelings and wicked people that are attacking God's sheep, and many of them stand in pulpits. The, uh, this whole idea of uh, sexy and, and having a point guy like Mel Gibson running through the, through the ranks, or even James Coates standing as a symbol, it, it stands in contrast to an article that uh, Andrew Torba wrote this week that was up, uh, help me with the title, I can't remember what it uh, it was in Christendom.press. It wasn't. Long yeah, oh, that was a good article. It was yeah. an very, excellent very article. Good article. Be, and and what, what the essence of his article was, it, you're making a mistake when you're looking for the leader to follow. 
And the point is, if you're a Christian, you just go do the next right thing. Do it yourself. Stand up yourself. And until we get to a grassroots level, you're not going to solve this problem. Finding the right leader is not it. You know, and, and Torba uses Trump as an example. You know, it, and All it does is give them a target. It gives a target. And he said, we have a target. We have a leader. It's Christ. Let them attack Christ and see how that goes for them. Great, great point. Jesus saves the populist movement is the title of the article, if anybody wants to look okay. that up on Christendom.press. Yeah. Uh, and that's kind of what you're talking about here, too. Is I mean, it just fits in with, with what you're saying. He can't scatter if, if you have a bedrock. Christ is the one who we're supposed to be following. Not that the shepherds can't mess that up. Well, see, here's a th- the difficult thing, John. Um, I talked to a, a gentleman um, earlier this week. Now, this is just the bad thing where pastors are in a lot of trouble, I think, because this, this gentleman told me, he said after two weeks of being locked down, he called his pastor up and said, we've got to meet, right? Now, how would you like to be the shepherd? And here's a sheep saying to you, we've got to be a flock here. You, you are in a... <laughs> You're in a bad spot if you're a pastor. Better discipline that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Make an example out of him. Yeah, kick him out of the flock. Yeah. Oh, wait a minute. We don't have a flock anymore. My shepherd hears my... Uh, <laughs> not the other way around. It's a complete mess. And I, I don't know what I, I would do. I mean, if I had a, a person to call me, I'd say, oh, sh- shouldn't we be meeting? Kind of like, uh, aren't, we, aren't we a flock here? Um, I mean, it's like, well, no, we're not a flock. Why not? Because the state says we're not. Right. Oh, okay, I got it. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> Goodbye. Yeah. <laughs> do you remember the uh, that movie Gladiator? I do indeed. Um, I'm sure everybody here does. It's kind of a stupid question, but I should have just referenced it right away. But um, there's a scene in there where the when Maximus is bought by Proximo, and he's getting up in front of these would be soon to be gladiators and he says i'm going to be closer to you than that you know of a mother that brought you in screaming to this world and all that kind of stuff and then he says when you die it will be to the sound it won't be to the sound of what you think it's going to be but it's going to be the sound of and i I, christians need to get this through their thick skulls that's what we're going we're we're in the philosophical arena right now when people destroy us philosophically or people mock us in a philosophical way that they clap they clap when when we're being persecuted in this nation people clap it's not it's not this like um this grand uh it's not this grand show of my standing up and everyone's like moved you know it's no get rid of that jerk that christian jerk kill him now either some people literally but most people you know metaphorically get rid of him and when he's gone we're all going to clap when you are persecuted in this country and as we're seeing it right now by these people people are clapping they, they, they want to see you gone you know when you stand up for your christianity no one's going to be moved um the crowds are not going to be swayed or moved when you stand up for your faith it's not going to happen they're going to be like get rid of that jerk and when he's gone they're all going to clap it's not going to happen on our power, but it is going to happen eventually. What? That people are going to be moved oh, yes. by the preaching of the word. Yes. 
Absolutely, and standing up for the truth. Yeah, that's uh, yeah. I, I believe that too, but I think Christians think that when I stand up for my faith, everyone's going to be wowed for by it. Oh, no. no, 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 no. If you think that right now, you're probably persecuting the real Christians. That's that's. I'm actually at that point right now. Actually, that's that's actually my opinion. So, uh, what do you got for us this month, John? So, <clears throat> you're going to think that Joel and I coordinated this, but Joel, you said that uh, that the shepherds. They scatter, right? But in Ezekiel, it, it talks about talking to the shepherds here, Ezekiel in 34, he says, uh, you eat the fat and clothe yourselves with the wool. You slaughter the fat sheep without feeding the flock. So, I mean, they, they do consume and eat their flock. And I think we alluded to that when you talked about the online giving is up, right? So what a great segue to what I brought this week. Um, because I'm in church leadership, they assume I'm a pastor. So I got an email this week, and I, I have to read this. Well, I'm going to hide some of the some of the details, but but this is a, an email that I got in the context of our our churches are are not standing up. Right? We're worried we're worried about all the wrong things, and we keep saying, "Where's the church? Where's the church? The church has failed us." That's what we say, anyway. So I, get this, so I get this email that says, Pastor, I want to invite you to a free webinar I'm hosting on such a date. Our framework ignites increased giving of time, talent, and treasure even during, during COVID spikes. To reserve your spot, click blah, 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 and get your blueprint for a COVID-proof growth system. We are seeing breakthrough success in all in churches in Peru, Africa, Texas, Hawaii, Tennessee, and more. These churches are seeing a 40% increase within the first four weeks. During this short free webinar, I'll reveal the most common issues and mistakes that pastors make during times of financial hardship, but have no clue they're even doing it. I've learned these lessons after decades in the ministry. Every time the economy takes a downward shift, the following ha often happens. A church loses income and is forced to reduce budgets and lay off staff. A church loses members and engagement plummets. Outreach opportunities become limited and growth ceases. But what if it didn't have to be that way? Imagine if during COVID-19, your weekly tithes and offerings grew. You were able to do more outreach in the community and your church growth oh skyrocketed. Oh I'm on the edge of my seat. Success. Keep going. <laughs> Success is not about total members, economic status of those who attend, or the pastor's name recognition, and it's definitely not luck. It's about using a proven framework for building a committed church. Pastor, will you invest just 30 minutes of your time to hear about this marvelous program? I look forward to seeing you. So, Oh, my goodness. <laughs> at the risk of just being another outrageous story, I— I had to bring this to the table to say, what on earth? Oh, my gosh. You know, we, we do have shepherds that are eating the flock. That's mm. what this is about. Mm. It's a very, very thinly veiled, you know, get-rich-quick scheme. Oh, my goodness. Comments? <laughs> <laughs> Besides hilarious laughter? Uh, you didn't share the website, John. I, I, just, I, I, I want to sign up here and, 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 and get rich. Here you yeah, go. Yeah. This, is, this is like think and grow rich for pastors. Yeah. I, I think that's what that was. Yeah, Napoleon Hill, right? Yeah. 
hey, you know what? Um, doesn't have to be that way. Like I say, we can actually increase giving. And I, I saw very little beyond that. I, I, I didn't see any kind of care for the, for, for the sheep. I didn't see any kind of support for people that needed support. All I saw there was get more money. That's, yeah. that's all I heard anyway. Well, if you're a pastor, he talks about expand the expand the plan. Yeah, yeah. Rich pastor, poor pastor. <laughs> I just, I, I just, it blew me away. I, I almost deleted it, and I thought, well, I should probably read this, and there it was. And I, I, it's so disgusting to to you know cloak yourself in a in the Bible mm-hmm. uh, in order to make some money. Well, Ezekiel's point there is, is is a horrible one as far as I'm concerned. It, it's it's not that they're not protecting the sheep; it's they are doing what a wolf does: yeah. eat the sheep. Eat. Mm. That's right. They're growing fat. The sheep are, are, are growing thin, and, and and they're dying. Is that not what's happening in our churches today? I mean, I run into people. I I I, I see online comments. They're sad. I mean. People just kind of crying out, saying, I want to go back to church. I want to see people. And everybody's all masked up, and, I, and I'm dying inside. Well, you know, I, you know, what do we say to them? Sorry, you know, I've got mine. And I, I tell you what, I, I don't know if any of you guys saw this, and I heard um, someone speak about this week that there's a, a UN, um, this is a little bit off, off track, but not so much, a UN study that that's stated that you, um, lockdowns and COVID restrictions have cost the lives of 240 million Asian children. What? Um, excuse me. Did I say 240 million? 240,000. Yeah. Excuse me. Quarter of a million. Okay, quarter of a million. That, that, that's the number, right? But who cares? Because we're not tracking people that die from COVID measures. We're all about COVID. I think we have the same thing going on here. What, what really is a successful pastor? A successful pastor has a staff, has money, has buildings. And you know what? This is saying you can still be a successful pastor. You can hang on to your prestige and your money and your importance in the middle of COVID. And if you have to sacrifice the sheep to do it, well, you know what? Hey, that's what you got to do. It's like being a successful wolf for Pete's sake. That's what I heard. I heard how to be a successful wolf. I also heard here, you know, how to squeeze more out of the people you have. Because it's not about members or the economic status. It, or, or the pastor's name recognition. It's about the program, and we're going to squeeze more money out of the people we have. The ironic thing is they could do all that and take care of the flock and preach the gospel to the world by simply not going along with the flow, hmm. right? Right, hmm. right. I, I ran into a situation this week where um, I, know of a, I know of a situation where a pastor now has to um, go against the uh, governor's in Pennsylvania governor's guidelines. Well, how do you do that when you've been going with the governor's guidelines this whole time and now say that we're not going to anymore? I think it's a simple matter of saying, well, we were wrong t- to start with. If you, you have, can't, you, you've got to say that. Have you heard anybody say that in no. the last 12 months? No. Anybody? No, no. I, I've not heard one pastor say that. that that's for sure. What, what, I, what I began to think about this when I thought about the situation was, uh, yeah, I, I do know that the church has lost people when they lock down and when they enforce masking and so forth, right? I'm just thinking about this. Who'd you lose? Who, who, who did you lose 
and who stayed. In John 10, 10, or John 10, Christ says, my sheep hear my voice. If you're locking down your church, which is supposed to be the flock of Jesus Christ, whose voice are you actually listening to? I mean, I, I, I'm serious here. If I, I'm a pastor, right? And I say, okay, the state says we have to lock down. State says we have to social distance. Everybody wear a mask, whatever. Uh, maybe in California, you're not allowed to sing, okay? Right? And so, and so that's what we do. And I have people leaving. I think I just really made the mistake of my life. I think the very people leaving at that point are the ones I want to stay. Mm-hmm. Mm. What a mess. Wow. What a complete right. mess. Oh, man, that's a, that's a conundrum. One more, one more thing about this, this little advertisement. He said, these churches are seeing a 40% increase within the first four weeks. Increase in what? Mm. <laughs> uh, uh, I don't know. What, what's what's he measuring? What's yeah, he yeah. measuring? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've, I've, I've been to these churches uh, my whole life. Um, and I, I'm, I'm not going to say conclusively, but I'm willing to bet um, be, this, that one thing that churches love to attack is things that are not very specific because that would mean taking a stand, right? But it's... it's Like it's, a war on terror. Yeah, a war on terror, right. Exactly. What the heck does that mean? So I've seen one of, one of the favorite targets of American pastors is something that they like to call American greed, you know, which is very not specific. We're just greedy. Like there's this problem with us Americans. We like stuff, you know, we like stuff. And, and it's ironic that I'm willing to bet those same pastors who, who attack American greed, I've been to their churches. I've seen their staff. I've seen their programs. I've seen their sermons. I'm willing to bet they're the one, same ones writing that guy right now, emailing him, how can I get my money back? How can I get my, how can I get my people, you know, how can I get my, my, my prestige and all that kind of stuff back? And they're the same ones who preach against this nebulous idea of American greed. That's, that's been my experience anyway. Point made. All right, Jim, what do you got for us this month? All right, I want to talk about the police. Everybody jumps in on a, on a slogan or a, a, uh, an opinion, and very few people give it much thought. Um, what I'm not talking about, there, there's a discussion over whether the entire concept that we have of municipal police departments is a good idea and should even exist. Uh, I, I'm not talking about that. That's a good discussion. Maybe we can discuss that a little bit today. But what I'm talking about is is the more uh, the more visible discussions over the police. We get uh, we get defund the police. We get support the police. We get policemen are racists, and we get policemen are heroes. And people latch on to a slogan. And they defend it without giving much thought to the entire problem. Now, we'll start with defund the police. If you're taking that as a, as a slogan to say, let's let people riot in the streets and not oppose what they're trying to do to our society, if you take it as, as that slogan, certainly we would be opposed to that. But let's talk about defunding the police. Do we spend enough money on police? Yeah, pretty sure. I, that's what I think. My, my way to measure that, again, uh, aside from the question of whether 
we should, we, even, have we should even have this this form of policing uh, if if they have the resources for a policeman to sit on, in his cruiser by the side of the road and measure the speed that I'm driving <laughs> we're overfunding the police yeah so so I, I I'm not going to react uh, totally against the idea of defunding the police uh, let, let's take let, let's assume that we should have the police forces that we have uh, uh, okay uh, I would not say we should defund them entirely but we're spending way too much money on them let's let's cut that back along with uh, we're not picking on police here the, the our entire government is is bloated and and needs to be cut back so yeah let's let's defund the police a little bit but but they need a second tank. I mean, yeah. uh, <laughs> that's yeah, a gas the, tank. There are police departments now that have tanks and yeah. half tracks and oh, that kind of tank. Yeah. Oh, are they yeah. talking about a gas yeah. tank? No. Oh my gosh. That 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 leads. They're right militarized. In, that that uh, leads right into my second point. Uh, support the police. Uh, the John Birch Society for years has had a program called Support Your Local Police. Um, uh, 30 or 40 years ago, I had a window sticker, a John Birch window sticker on my car that said support your local police in, in support of that campaign that, that, uh, that the Birch Society had. The idea of that was, uh, the, 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 uh, the byline to that was, and keep them independent. And the whole thing was designed around local police, support your local police and keep them independent of state and federal intervention and wow. control. Unfortunately, uh, that program was very well targeted. It was it was philosophically very good, but it failed. Uh, as John has just said, our, our police have become militarized. Why do um, you know what? When 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 we were young, police wore shiny dress shoes and a and a blue cap. Now they wear combat boots and fatigues, and they carry automatic rifles. Something's wrong there. Hmm. Yeah, because we're the enemy. Right, Everybody right. except the police, for a policeman's mindset, that, that's a, is, is a potential problem. That's another interesting thing. Again, going back, uh, if you go back a generation or two, when you saw a policeman, you greeted him, you nodded, and, and got maybe a friendly exchange of words. Or, you might or even know him. Yeah, right. Yeah. Yeah, they used to be model uh, citizens. They used to be the model citizens. Right, they were, they were the cream right. of the crop supposed to be anyway. Right, I, I'm at a, one point. I'm a big fan of the Pennsylvania Farm Show. If you go to the Pennsylvania Farm Show, if they ever have it again, there's there's state police all over the place. Which, understandably, it's a huge crowd. They're there to, you know, if there's any problems come up or whatever. I've, I have no problem with there being a lot of state police in the. Pennsylvania Farm Show. But I've noticed repeatedly, this is not something that happened once or twice, when you walk past them, if you make eye contact and nod to, nod to them or greet them, they return a stern look to you as to say, why are you looking at me? Hmm. That, that's, how, that's how this whole police thing has changed. That, that's, that's disturbing to me. You're not one of us. Yeah, yes. Yes. And I've, I've also noticed, and, and I'm not going to really die on this hill, but I've also noticed an increase in, 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 in something that, that bothers me just a little bit. It's the tattoos. 
it's an increase. I'm saying more and more police have tattoos. I'm not talking about you know the little you know mom on the on the arm, you know the heart with the arrow through it. Mom, the full sleeve, uh, the full sleeves, uh, the tribal, you know, all over the place. And I'm saying, uh, you know, the tattoos to me are an indication of not thinking long term about the consequences of your decisions. I think gang when I see oh, really? tattoos. But that, that's what you're talking about. Right. Well, I, I, They're I, in the police gang. Yeah, they're in the police gang. But, but here's a person that's indicating to me outward signs that I'm not thinking about the consequences of my actions. People who get tattoos usually. Short-termers. Yes. Yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a short-term fancy, um, a long-term consequences for a short-term fancy. I think many people get tattoos like I, I change or I get rid of it or whatever. Once you get one, you got to get a million more and all that kind of stuff. I'm not saying tattoos are sinful. They're, though many people say that. But I am saying, okay, here's somebody who's in the police force who in his life has already shown me he's not thinking long term. He's not making good life decisions by getting these ridiculous tattoos. These aren't tattoos that like like their Bible verses or, or their, their friends. This is, was a friend who died. These are just cool. It looks cool, bro. You know, it's it's a sleeve. It's it looks cool, man. I feel good in it. You know, and I'm like, I don't want this person, who's not thinking long term about the the consequence, the, the 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 choices that he's making in life, to be policing me. I don't. It's it's it's. I'm not going to rest my case and say, oh, he's a bad person and he's not a good police officer. But I'm saying this is troubling to me that more and more police officers have tattoos, and it's an indication to me that we're getting more and more people in our police force that are not thinking long term about the, 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 the choices that they make. Well, I'm, I'm going to argue that we the, the police are in a, a bad situation and they, it can only get worse. Here's for them, why. For them. For them, exactly. Here, here's why. Um, a couple weeks ago, I was uh, at, um, and John was there with me, and Luke, you were there, down in uh, Washington, D.C., yeah, right. where a, a pastor friend of ours baptized his baby outside of Planned Parenthood. Yep. And, of course, the police showed up. You know, there there's something to um, you know make sure we have crowd control for. Of course, two or three or four cops show up, right? What would it do to you? I'm kind of asking this as a sort of philosophical but also practical question. What would it do to you if you were a police officer and you had to defend people who kill babies? What would mm. that do to you mm. after a while? Mm. I don't think it could keep you uh, on the straight and narrow. It, it, it wouldn't keep you sane after a while. After a while, you'd think funny stuff. That's a good question. But, but Joel, that's the same question as we ask about the military. You join the military and they send you to Iraq, Afghanistan, you know, Stanistan, what, wherever. <laughs> and, and why are you there? And you you have to think about that. Yeah. Why am I shooting up this this village? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Maybe they're shooting back at me, but what's the purpose of my mission here? Right. What's the purpose of the policing's mission? Right. You know, it's at this point the people who are policing, which is either military or police, are doing the bidding of their communist masters. In the, in the government, in the civil government. I had that discussion with a, with a policeman who wrote me a speeding ticket. After he wrote the ticket, I said, now do you have a few minutes? He said, yeah. And uh, I had that discussion with him. Uh, basically, w- what we're evolving into is the, the government against the people. Yeah. And you're, you're not a bad guy. I had nothing against this guy. He was a nice guy. Most policemen are nice guys. I have 
I have nothing against policemen whatsoever. But I said, you're acting on behalf of the government. And I'm here as the people. And this is not going to get better. It's going to get worse. And I said, somewhere along the line, you're going to be faced with the decision of whose side you're on. And we had a we had a pretty good discussion about that, and and uh, I think uh, I, I I think he took some of it to heart. Was he a state police officer or local? He was local. He was local. The how township. Long, how long ago was this? Uh, three years ago. And how much was the ticket? Because <laughs> <laughs> in Pennsylvania they hit us for like two hundred bucks. Oh know? yeah, it was yeah. over. It was over two hundred bucks, and it was clearly. I, I, <laughs> I say I have nothing against the police. Um, on a personal level, I don't. Mm -hmm. But this was clearly a speed trap. There were three mm -hmm. cars involved on a back road, and they had three cars pulled over at a time. It mm -hmm. was one of these deals, a back road with a 30-mile-an-hour speed limit. Mm -hmm. You're driving 45 or 50, and they were just pulling people over, raking in money yeah. is, is what it was, which is what – prompted me to have that discussion with him because I think it was a clear situation where he could look and, and say, yeah, you know what, this is us against them. Yeah, it, it is us against, uh, them against us. And one thing I've, I found out a long time ago is that my, my rights uh, are never going to be worth their welfare. Their welfare is always going to be more important than my rights. They of don't course. care about my rights. Yeah. I, I'd yeah, rather, I'd Luke, rather I have this bad feeling that that gun they have is not to protect me; it's to protect them. Protect it's, it's, a it's a bad feeling, right? But you know, they don't care about my freedom of speech. They don't care about uh, you know my Second Amendment rights. If I don't give you this ticket, or if I don't enforce the com of my communist master's will, I'm going to lose my job and be thrown out in the street. I'll be shamed or whatever. I'll, I'll lose my cool, you know, gang, you know, mentality with all my buds and all that kind of stuff. I'll be disgraced. And so if it's a question of this guy who I don't know and his rights or my welfare as a whole, I'm going to go with my welfare every single time. Would you rather be the farmer milking the cow or the cow being milked? Hmm. Rather be the it's farmer. A, it's a tough thing. Uh, policemen are like anybody else. There's, there's, uh, there's good ones. There's bad ones. There's uh, many motivations for becoming a policeman. And, and, and uh, I... I wonder about and feel for the guys who are the, 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 the many of them who are decent, good guys who uh, who understand the Second Amendment, who understand rights, and and have some respect for that at least. But but are in this situation where they need to uh, quote do their job. That's a that, that, that's a tough thing, and it's got to be conflicting. Yeah. And then of course on the other side, there's guys who just don't care. Who who in any in any uh, in any field where there's authority, there's going to be a certain number of people who go there just because they like to have authority. Here, here's my question for everyone concerning police: Is God going to judge every police officer for every speeding ticket they've written? <laughs> He's going to judge everybody for every thought that they've had. So the answer is, of course, yes. Okay, right. So is he going to is is any speeding ticket that a cop has ever written going to be justified in God's eyes? Is God going to be like you did the right thing? Or is he always, every single speeding ticket is going to be like, that was wrong. It's not according to my law. You did the wrong thing. That's above my pay grade. Hmm. I, I'm, I'm, I'm leaning more towards, yes, every, every cop will be judged for stealing money from people in the name of the law. Well, I'm going to address it this way. Um, those pastors who have rejected God's law, 
have to come up with a different standard for what sin is hmm. once we throw out God's law. It's true. And so I grew up in uh, churches where it was, uh, let's see, uh, going to the movie theater, um, playing cards, and dancing or whatever, right? And one of the favorites nowadays is exceeding the speed limit. Hmm. So to, <laughs> to your point, uh, the, 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 new, the new sin is ex- exceeding the speed limit, of course. Mm-hmm. And so um, wh- while we don't, we, I, I may not want to say that writing a, speed li- a, 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 a speeding ticket by the cop is not a sin. I might, I, I'm not so sure. But apparently speeding is a sin. <laughs> uh, <laughs> apparently now, now that we've thrown out God's law. It's really interesting how that fits with the whole COVID mess is that before the vices that, you know, they were the, the movies, the yeah. card playing, but now it, it's opposing the state. Yeah. Oh, boy. Oh, yeah. oh my gosh. Yeah, how about that? Oh I mean, my it's goodness. the same yeah. thing. Comment of the and, morning right there. And, oh, wow. That's the only <laughs> sin left. Yeah. And opposing <laughs> the state. Oh, my goodness. And the, Forget about God's law. The, it's the state. The other oh, interesting thing. It, other interesting thing in this discussion is substitute the word teacher for half of the things we just said you know there there are some decent teachers there are some terrible teachers they're in it for the work they just obey obey. you know it's the same thing they're beholden to their communist masters just the same as the police are public school teachers public school teachers yeah 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 yeah. Yeah. um i think you have uh policemen are racist on there jim yeah, well, that, they were the they were the other two. That, that's the other two set of uh, of items: is policemen are racist and policemen are heroes. And again, just to point out that you can't uh, you can't just pick a slogan and jump on board and say, "Hey, this is the side I'm on." Oh. Or are policemen racist? Well, they're like the rest of the population. There there are a few of them who are racist, no doubt, because our our engineers racist. Well, s- some of them are. The vast majority of policemen, I would say, are not racists, but nor are they heroes. Hmm. The vast so, majority, so, right? So, 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 are we going to jump on the side and say, "Well, policemen are heroes"? So, it, the, the hero thing—that's gotten way out of hand. Mm. I mean, any, anybody, oh. <laughs> anybody that wears a uniform or works in healthcare now is, is a hero. Mm. Uh, and and no, no, policemen are not all heroes. Some some of them are heroes. Some of them have have done heroic things, and and the ones that aren't heroes aren't bad policemen because they're not heroes. They haven't been in a situation to become a hero. Most of them, if they were in that situation, would would probably become a hero, mm. but they haven't been given that opportunity. So, so, uh, I I think my point is is when 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 we think about and and deal with this whole popular topic of police uh we need to step back and say okay what what's the whole situation here and what's the what's the proper uh proper way to look at it rather than picking a slogan and saying hey i'm on i'm on this site and uh i i don't know maybe this is too much to get into today maybe a separate uh podcast but do we want to discuss the whole concept of whether we should have police municipal police departments like we have today Nah, we don't want to talk about that. Nah. <laughs> <laughs> um, if anything, they but, should but function maybe. like fire departments. That's what I think. I, I, that's, 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 yeah. that's, there you go. Call them when you need them. Yeah, volunteer fire companies? What's that? Volunteer fire companies? Yeah, sure. Yeah, Why, not? Why not? Why not? Why not? I mean, uh, has anyone really truly suffered in their neighborhood because they had a volunteer fire company? 
you know, uh, uh, are they any more or less effective than, you know, a city fire company? You know, uh, the, the the police should only be called when there's a, remember the idea of a posse, you know? I'm, I'm not gonna, I mean, I think people often often confuse police and their their usefulness. Like, they're very useful to have around because as soon as something bad happens, they're right there on the scene, usually. You know, as, assuming you're in a public place. Now, if you call the police right now and say, come to my house, there's a bad guy in the house, it'll make it take them 10, 15, 20 minutes to get well, out that's, there. Well, that's the thing. They're, they're not really effective for what people Think say they, they, they yeah. need them for. Right. And, and it's, it's not their fault. It's impossible. No. Right. Uh, if, if somebody comes down the steps with a gun right now and starts shooting, you can't blame the police because they weren't here to stop him. The police can't stop that. But that's why we have police, so they can stop him. It, it, exactly. So, <laughs> so back to the question, do we even need police? Not in the way that they exist. It, right in now. the way that they exist. They right exist now. right now. No, they're dead. Like you said about Rush Dooney. So, oh, I'm, I'm, uh, I'm missing um, the Rush, point. Rush Dooney. Uh, what police originally existed for? They were there to defend people, and they were to, there to defend property. Yeah. Yeah. I keep whenever this discussion happens, Jim. I, I I constantly go back to the West. I am somewhat of a Western aficionado, somewhat, and um, all the taming that took place. And you had, you had cutthroats. And you had bad guys. And you tamed the West of cutthroats, bad people. And, you know, sometimes they get romanticized a little bit. Like t today, pirates get romanticized. Yes, they do. Th they should not be romanticized. They were they were terrorists of the seas. Billy the Kid was a murderer. Yeah. 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 yeah Bill, Billy the Kid shot people in cold blood. I mm -hmm. mean, and he wasn't the only one. There, there were many of them. How in the world was the West possibly tamed without a massive police force? And it was tamed with basically what you're talking about, Luke. Basically, volunteers. Yeah. And uh, I think you and I talk about this. Uh, Christian, one. Christian volunteers. Yeah. Well, people with a Christian view uh, of things like the understood justice. Yes. Right. And uh, they understood like things like uh, capital punishment for capital offenses. There's yeah. a, there's a concept. Uh, just this week, they found the Stoltzfus girl. Yes. Yeah. Linda Stoltzfus. Yeah. It, what a horrible thing. Well, that guy, that smoker guy, if, if, if he is guilty, there has to be a trial. Um, I think, I think I don't know if it's changed. It used to be you had to be, wait till after the trial to declare a person guilty. Not uh, anymore. Not anymore. Okay, that's, <laughs> that's the way it used to be. Anyway, so um, maybe there'll be a trial. But anyway, I mean, I, 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 I thought of this, this week about how um, uh, friends of mine, um, when I was a teenager, they lost their daughter to a... Um, to a murderer, and um, the Fisher family, and Evelyn Fisher. And that's been like, man, that, now that's been like almost 40 years ago. Well, the guy that did it is probably out of jail, right? Mm -hmm. Well, mm -hmm. Evelyn Fisher's, um, and I don't know if he is or not, but he could easily be. Right. I mean, after all, he just killed somebody. It's not like he parked in front of a fire hydrant or yeah. something. Yeah, plea deal um, plus good uh, good behavior. Yeah, yeah. whatever. Out right. 20. Yeah, so, so her brother... I don't know how he deals with this, but her brother saw that man drive off with his sister, and he didn't know she was in the trunk. Okay, he's had to live with that for all these years that he actually saw it. Right? There is the possibility that he could see, you know, be walking around the street and see his sister's murderer mm -hmm. out out of jail. Yeah. Right. And so, and to, and to your point, John, these were Christian, with, at least with some amount of a Christian view, that understood that capital offenses. Uh, demanded a, a a capital punishment for for that, and the one case I'm thinking of, and I think you, Luke, you and I talked about this before. There was a case where um, four four masked men in the West 
um, attacked a bank, shot the bank president dead, and in a Western town, your bank president, that, that's, an important, that's an important figure. Mm-hmm. That's a really important person. Took the gold and took off with it. Well, they throw a posse together. They don't call the state police. They throw a posse. They throw guys together that know how to ride horses and know how to track people, right? And they they chase them down, and they, and they get, uh, there's a trial, and these guys get hung for right. it, as they should have been. Yeah, punished. Right. Maybe stoning would be better. Right. Whatever. The world is rid of them, right? What I love about that story, and I read the, the, about that case that I read years ago, was. Guess what one of the guys was? He was a pastor. He was a pastor. Yeah. He was he was the local pastor. Mm. Can you imagine that? Yeah. Oh, it's part of the posse, not as... No, yeah, part, yeah excuse okay. me, part of the posse. Yeah. <laughs> they part of the posse. Wait, let's go back to this other article that I read. <laughs> yeah, right, yeah, yeah. He found a different way to make a little money. Yeah. I'm oh, sorry. <laughs> yeah. It was... Yeah, the, the pastor was part of the posse that chased these, these people down. Sure. Now, oh now, yeah! Can you imagine that nowadays? N- no. Hey, Pastor, we, we got to go catch some murderers. What would yeah, he say, Dad? Yeah, yeah. He, he'd say, "Oh, I'm above that." Yeah. You know, just, just like the pastor that I ran to recently was at the abortion clinic. wasn't standing there in the uh, picket line with with his parishioners. He was off walking around praying. Hmm. Isn't isn't that isn't that just? I mean, I, I just like that's extra that's shameful. Spiritual. I mean, that's shameful. That's completely shameful. Asking people to do something you won't do yourself. Yeah, that's, it's, that's, it's, that's wrong. That's just it's completely wrong. Yeah, yeah. And, and my my point is, you you tamed a wild west, and it was wild. I, I I will defend that idea. It was wild. There were people that did all kinds of things, took off. You couldn't find them for years. It was tamed, and you did it without a massive policeman bureaucracy you also did it by populating the place mm. yeah you got bigger people more in there people yeah. yeah who could see more stuff yeah right yeah and, and in one of the cases i read about john um there were there were some outlaws that were hard to uh hard to tree if you will mm-hmm. hard to, hard to capture and people died uh cap- trying to capture these people but mm-hmm. what happened was in these growing communities what happened was you did not have a shortage of volunteers to keep trying because they knew that if these people weren't bought to brought to book or bought to brought to book, if you will, that the more people are going to get killed anyway. Mm-hmm. That's right. Got to make an example out of them. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I think I think we're going to be people are going to be looking back at this system years from now and and just scratching their heads and laughing at us that we paid people to find us. Uh, I think it's barbaric the system that we have completely. Like you said, John. Um, you said the way that we treat cancer with chemotherapy. It's barbaric. It is barbaric. It's barbaric. And someday we're going to look back and, you know, it's, it all goes back to the idea of this is not the terminal generation. This we got to get that out of our thick skulls. Oh we're God. not the terminal generation. It's not all about us. And we have to realize we're doing something. We have problems we don't even know we have. And there's going to be future generations looking back and saying, the pro- here's the solution I know because I have 500 years to look back and see what a bunch of knuckleheads they were. And the same thing's going to happen to them too. You know, Jim, um, every, everyone was wrong before us. We got it right, you know. <laughs> yeah. and, and, and I think the, those same people looking back, like the, 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 the same way we look back and look people who use witch hazel to, to solve all of their medical problems. We're like, how, how could you do that? You know, that's ridiculous. You know, or, you know, there's so many things that they did. We look at barbaric as barbaric. But we are definitely going to look back at this, these Americans back in the 21st century. Can you believe that they had people that they paid to find them? That is a barbaric idea of justice. 
one and last order. one last thing at the, and at the risk of bringing up the show trial again do you believe that the Derek Chauvin trial will uh, result in an idea of capital punishment being restored o only for uh, people o only for certain people I think it'll be very... Um, so you're talking about the French Revolution then? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Uh, it, 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 I, I would argue it's, 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 in, it's in full place now for the unborn, for example. Sure. In, sure. in the case of the unborn, it's their crime of existing. Yeah. So I, I think it's inevitable that capital punishment comes, does not come back on a larger scale for, quote-unquote, enemies of the people. For justice. Yeah, that, 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 their, their idea of justice there. And uh, let's never forget Mao Zedong's um, definition of the people. Those who support the revolution are the people. Those who oppose the revolution are the enemies of the people. See how easy that was? Yep. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So for this week, I, I wanted to talk about uh, an, you know, an identity problem that conservatives, I'm going to target conservatives specifically on this one, uh, the identity problem that conservatives have in uh, identifying our enemy, Okay. I'm going to say I'm going to begin with a controversial statement, but socialism has been 100% successful in every single country that it has been instituted in. Anyone who's ever tried socialism has been 100% successful. And here's how I'm going to say it. I, I have a problem when, when, especially in conservative um, circles, they you know, uh, uh, what's his name? That guy who did the Silver Bar and the Hershey's Bar. Mark Dice. And, and, and other guys like him go out and they ask people questions. What country has socialism been successful in, right? And then there's some people who try to say, well, it's been successful here. No, no it's never been successful, blah, 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 blah. And, um, you know, and, and they get, in, and I've seen like the Q&A sessions with like, um, you know, Ben Shapiro and, um, you know, uh, all the uh, Daily Wire guys and say socialism has never worked. Socialism has always worked everywhere. Everywhere it's it's been tried, socialism has been 100% successful. And let me give you an example. I'll break it down this way. Suppose we all show up to uh, a blank uh, piece of land, and we're going to build a house, right? And so we lay the foundation, we start framing it out, and we start building this house, right? And then a second crew comes up. Right? So we show up with our hammers, our drills, our saws, and, um, you know, we got uh, screws, you know, and we have, we have material that's indicative that we are going to build. Then another crew shows up, and they have something different. They have jackhammers, and they have sledgehammers, and they have bulldozers, okay? And what we started building, they started tearing down, right? They start wrecking the place, right? And, it, and this is the situation that I see. The first working crew is there to build, the second working crew is there to destroy, right? And so someone comes up to us and they say, well, you know, what do you guys think about that other crew? You know, what do you think about that crew? And we say, oh, they're terrible builders. They're just awful builders. They don't know what they're doing. They're not successful in building. Can you believe these guys? Look at them. They're trying to build. They're, they're terrible, terrible builders. 
And the person would be like, uh, are you guys like, uh, you know, they're not trying to build. You know that, right? They're trying to destroy. And they're being 100% successful in destroying. I think it's the same with conservatives. Socialism is not meant to bring prosperity. It's not meant to bring equality. That's not what it's there for. It's there so that a few people can control and kill the rest of the population. And every single country that has tried it has been successful, including this one. We need to get out of our thick skulls and, and, and get this, get out of the, they're like, they're like, cause we, we, we define socialism through capitalistic ideas. Capitalism wants freedom in every area of life. We want freedom to build. We want freedom of opportunity. We want uh, equality of, of opportunity. We want freedom um, to to uh, you know uh, start a business. We want we don't want to be controlled by the government. And and we look at socialism. We say it's really bad at giving people freedom. So therefore, it's not successful. Socialism doesn't want freedom for everybody. That's not what it's there for. It wants to control the population while a few people reap the benefits of that control. And so for the conservatives, we got to get out of our, our, our thick skulls, all my conservative brothers and sisters, we got to get out of our thick skulls that, hey, um, uh, socialism is really bad at giving people prosperity. No, it's really good at taking prosperity away from people. It's 100% successful in destroying its goal its goal is to destroy. Therefore, it's 100% successful. We can't define it by the goals of capitalism. We compare it to the goals of capitalism. It's not, should not be compared to the goals of capitalism. It should be compared to its own ends. Its own goal is to destroy. And it's always, ever since it's been instituted, since the dawn of man, since, uh, oh, since the dawn of America, uh, William Bradford, its goal was to destroy and that's exactly what it did. Socialism is 100% successful no matter where or what country it's in. It has always been successful. To that point, Luke, um, you, you brought up Bradford. When, they came, when, when the pilgrims came over and they all had to build, a, you know, everything was in common and so forth. Yes. And it did destroy. And Bradford saw it. Yes. It would have destroyed them it if they would have kept it going yeah, for another year. Yeah. yeah, he changed it. Okay, no, everybody, we're, we're going to divide it up. And he talked about the fact that when it was all common, this is common, we're going to help each other, yeah. right? Mm -hmm. And nobody owned any property. Yeah. The, the, all, everybody was sick. Back, I couldn't, couldn't go out and work that day. Somebody else could do it. But he, talk, he talks about it. You can read about the industry that just popped up when people say, okay, this is yours. Right. And whatever you produce, you get to keep, believe right. it or not. Yeah. Now, of course, nowadays, people who actually produce and keep it are called thieves. And the... And the people that steal from the people that produce are called just. This is how it is right now. Luke, to your point about uh, let's go with the definitions that they themselves use, uh, you could, again, substitute education here. People in this country say, oh, the educational system is failing, and it has uh. failed. But if you go back and look at all the founding documents of public education, Horace Mann, John Dewey, they they promoted socialism. They said, we have to destroy the family. We have to wring Christianity out of this nation. And what have they done? Hmm. They've been wildly successful beyond right. their right. beyond dreams. Right. Yes. And so, yeah, it's yeah. this it's the same way. Let's define or let's let's grade them, so to speak, uh, 
by their by, by their, their standards. Playbook. Yeah, their playbook. Yeah. It's hundred percent successful. We, yeah, exactly right. Because we like, oh, the education system has failed. No, no, it <laughs> hasn't. No, it hasn't. It's been a, a wonderfully successful. That's because we think the goal was to educate. It's not the goal. It's not the goal. It's to subjugate. And that's exactly what's going on. That's why everyone's wearing masks right now. You know, and, and, and you know, I think, I think it was actually Dave who, my brother Dave, who actually got that thought in my head that socialism is, is actually 100% successful. And he's also the same guy. <laughs> it's funny because, you know, Dove every now and then has a zinger. You know, he, he, uh, you know um, we were in church one day, a, a diff- different church. And in our churches... We, we celebrate the graduation of the high schoolers. You know where I'm going with this, Dad, right? We celebrate the graduation of the high schoolers, right? And what do we say as a measure of their success when they're, when they're going up there? What do we say? Their GPA. Oh, the GPA 3.8, 3.9. And everyone goes, oh. And Dave, 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 Dave's looking around and he's going, why are we clapping? Why are we clapping? <laughs> All that says is they're a good socialist now. They've been paying attention in school. Why are we happy about this? This is a terrible, terrible thing. You should have a give me the guy who has a two point Give me the guy who give me the guy who's the guy that didn't get it. Yeah, the guy that didn't get the guy that didn't understand. The I guy, want that guy. The guy who's not up on the stage. Yeah, give me because him. he quit to get yeah, a job. Exactly. Right. He should be the one on stage. Why are we clapping for these soon to be socialists? And as and as time has gone, yes, they revealed themselves to be socialists. But to John's point, the guy who dropped dropped out to start a business in tenth grade is now successful. These. 3.8 GPA people, they'll be attacking him yes. and, and, his, and his business. Yes, that's, they that's will. That's what's going to be happening. They're going to be showing up as, as agents of the state to shut him down. Yeah, and, and I, I want to go back you know, to, to your point. Um, this idea, that, that, and Christ nails socialism. He does. All whoever, John 10, 8, all whoever came before me are thieves and robbers. I don't know of a better definition of socialism. Thieves and robbers. I, 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 don't, I don't know of one. But the sheep did not hear them. I want to go back to this idea of people leaving your church when you when, when you decided to social distance and listen to the thieves and the robbers. I want to I'm think about that because the, the people that are staying, they're the ones that are listening to CNN and MSNBC and so forth, listen to Dr. Fauci. I mean, I, I think about this. I, I've, I've thrown this question out to people. When have you been told the truth since the beginning of this whole COVID thing? When have you been told told the truth one single time? On purpose or by accident? Uh, even by accident. <laughs> can you give me one by accident? I, I mean, I mean, I, I, I can hardly, th- I, I, I can't think of one, one time. And I've been actually... At the very beginning, Fauci year. said masks don't work. Yeah, there you okay, go. There you go. Ah. Yeah, told, told the truth. That's right. But that was at the beginning. That was before my timeline. Oh. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> just kidding. Yeah. Gotcha. Like a socialist, you're moving the goalposts. Yeah, that's right. That's, yeah. right. That's, that's right. Yeah. I, mean, I didn't mean that time. I mean, yeah. Yeah, but then, then of course, he went, he went back on that. But he, he, Christ's point here is, this way you think about this. And this is hard to say because people come to church and they're our neighbors and we like them. And we don't want to think this way, but Christ says this. He says, all whoever came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not hear them. The sheep didn't hear them, but somebody heard them. And somebody's hearing thieves and robbers Mm. on TV. Mm. And then Christ says, uh, um, I'm the door. If anyone enters, enters by me, he'll be saved and go in and out and find pasture. And then he says, my sheep hear my voice and I know them and they follow me. 
meaning that you can't hear both. You're going to hear one or the other. Hmm. And it's a very scary thing for me because we have people in church and I, they're listening to the voices of thieves and robbers. Hmm. It's, it's happening. It's happening. It, it, not only is it happening, it's the majority in, in the churches. It's very discouraging. I, I, I don't like saying it, but, but Christ here is, is making a clear distinction between the voice of thieves and robbers and his voice. And he's saying that the people that hear his voice don't even hear the voice of the thieves and the robbers. Jim, to your point about majorities, minorities, we're talking about the size of the gate, are we not? You know, the gate is narrow. Yeah. But the way is wide. Right? Yeah. It, good, that's what we're dealing good with. Good application there, for sure. Well, friends, that's what we have for this month. Uh, we challenge everyone who listens to this podcast to do exactly what the name um, suggests, to think and reform. And, you know, when you're reading your word and reading the Bible, you've got to view it as the only source of truth. Every good idea that you have has got to be traced back to a Bible verse somewhere. Uh, do, do not, it, we take it seriously on this podcast that uh, Proverbs 3, uh, verse 5, trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding and all of your ways acknowledge him. That includes, that's just, I mean, that includes justice and civil uh, uh, civil behavior. All your ways acknowledge him. There's only one place to find all of your ways, and it's not from your stupid brain. It's from the Bible, the Word of God, and he will make your path straight. Thanks, everybody, for listening. We will see you guys next time.